glow reflected on people looking in at the window. For often, a man or woman's expression when outside gave a clue to the individual's intentions, even though a mask seemed to fall over their faces whenever they came inside. This young man's face was sharp-featured, his dark hair long, his lips set. The girl, who was golden-haired, petite and shapely, in miniskirt and black bolero, looked less hurt than sad, and her voice was very clear. If you go in and bother Mr. Mannering or anyone in the shop, you won't see me again, Tom. And, after the briefest of pauses, she went on. I mean it. He turned away from her and pushed the door open and stepped inside. Bill, murmured Mannering, nip out and see where the girl goes, will you? Right. Bristow's reflexes were as good as those of most young men, and he turned towards the rear of the shop, a hallway, and the back door. Mannering heard that click shut as he himself stepped into the shop. The young man on duty at the amplifier switched off as the stranger entered by the front door, while the other assistant stepped forward from the 15th century chest he had been polishing to accost the newcomer. Outside, the girl peered in for a moment, then turned and disappeared. Good morning, said the Edwardian-clad young man, who had between-coloured hair so immaculate that it might have been a wig, and a complexion so perfect that it might have been a woman's. May I help you? I want to see John Mannering, declared the stranger. There was much arrogance in him, and there was pride. Closer at hand, he had something of the look of a hawk, and his grey eyes something of a hawk's brightness. His dark hair was coarse, but groomed and clean. He wore a lambskin bolero-type jacket over a vivid blue shirt and tight-fitting Levi's, while his brass-studded shoes had high heels built far under the instep. I am afraid Mr. Mannering sees callers only by appointment, replied the Edwardian exquisite in his beautifully modulated voice, and he is not free today. He's here and he's free, rasped the caller, and you know it. Indeed, said the exquisite, whose name was Rupert Smith. If you will leave your name, the caller growled, my name is Forrester, and as he spoke, he moved forward swiftly, obviously intending to push past Rupert Smith. Mannering, now behind the royal screen, saw everything with graphic clarity. The long, narrow shop, the furniture and pictures and showcases containing jewellery, the pictures on the panelled walls, the miniatures, the china and porcelain, each, in its way, was a treasure. The passage running down the middle of the shop was clearly defined with deep red carpet. There were little recesses or bays on either side in which one could get closer to anything of especial interest. There was no room for two people to pass at the middle aisle unless one or the other stepped aside, and the man who had introduced himself as Forrester obviously expected the dandy to do so. Rupert Smith did no such thing. Mannering, quick to observe danger signals, saw the two lithe young bodies tense, saw arms bend, swift movement without fuss. In a way, they were like fighting cocks. The assistant close to Mannering drew in a hissing breath and stepped towards the passage, but Mannering put out a detaining hand. In the heart of the shop, the two men were at grips, but neither spoke. 
It was as if each saw the other as an adversary with whom there must inevitably be a trial of strength. The young faces grew tense and pale. Two pairs of eyes narrowed, two pairs of lips set tight. Neither of them appeared to breathe, but both began to sway in unison. There was a gasp. Suddenly Forrester went hurtling back, losing his balance. With quite startling speed, Rupert Smith passed him, reached the door, pulled it open until it was caught by a floor catch, spun round in time to seize Forrester's right arm and to hoist it up behind his back in a hammerlock. Instantly, he spun the other round and thrust him towards the street. There had been scarcely time to realise what was happening, but now Mannering saw Bristow close to Quinn's front door. Bristow asked clearly, What's all this? Mannering did not wait to hear more, but turned and followed the route which Bristow had taken. Clear fluorescent light shone on the panelled walls, a narrow, twisting Jacobean staircase, the wall of which was beamed with oak hundreds of years old.